I'm Matt Bellany, founding partner of Puck News, and I'm covering the inside conversation about money and power in Hollywood. With my new show, The Town, I'm going to take you inside Hollywood with exclusive insight on what people in show business are actually talking about. Multiple times a week, I'll talk to some of the smartest people I know, journalists, insiders, all of whom can break down the hottest topics in entertainment to tell you what's really going on. Listen now. This episode is brought to you by Canva. Better presentations are possible. You just need Canva presentations. With it, you can easily and quickly make stunning slides. All you have to do is start with one of Canva's professionally designed templates or generate slides with AI. Then add graphs, charts, and more from the massive media library, and you're done. It's that simple. I always think that the best use of AI in work is it does the thing that you naturally aren't very good at. And personally, one thing I'm really terrible at is making visual presentations. I'm not very visually inclined. I'm not good at picking out you know, photographs or abstract conceptual images to go with ideas I'm trying to put forward in presentations. So it's kind of nice to have an AI-powered tool that can help me make these presentations in literally seconds. Nail your next work presentation with Canva presentations at canva.com, designed for work. This episode is brought to you by Indeed. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibly listed at indeed.com slash plain. Just go to indeed.com slash plain right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Today's episode is about lies, dirty tricks, hypocrisy, and creepiness among America's largest social media companies. This week, the Washington Post reported that Facebook's parent company, Meta, is paying a Republican consulting firm to slime the reputation of TikTok. According to emails shared between Meta and the GOP firm Targeted Victory, Facebook was seeking to blame TikTok for many weird viral hoaxes that actually started on Facebook, and then get various journalists and politicians to freak out about those stories so that they would bring the hammer down on a social media rival. Now, this is an incredibly juicy scoop with some really just delicious details you're going to hear about in just a second, but it sits on top of some really important and substantive questions, like what the hell is going on at Facebook, and should we be a little bit afraid of TikTok itself? Today's guests are the journalists who broke this story, Taylor Lorenz and Drew Harwell of The Washington Post. Now, first, a bit of background. Facebook is currently facing a triple crisis. Its stock and reputation are way down. Its ad business is slowing down. And perhaps most importantly, it's losing young people to TikTok. This year, Facebook announced it lost users for the first time in its 18-year history. Then we have TikTok, which is not just the fastest growing social media platform. This year, it became the single most popular web domain in the world, edging out Google, Amazon, and Facebook itself. 
And if you've ever spent any time on it, you immediately understand why. This endless algorithmic feed of short form video that grabs your brain's control center for dear life and doesn't let go. It is a bonanza of creativity. It is a marvel of technology. And it is also owned by the Beijing-based company ByteDance, whose domestic business is minority controlled by the Chinese government. A government with a horrific track record on free speech and a deep history of propaganda. So Facebook's campaign to smear TikTok is laughable, creepy, yes. But if Facebook is offering up a bunch of fake and dumb reasons to worry about TikTok, my question is, what's the smart way to think about this app and what it's doing to our minds? I'm Derek Thompson. This is Plain English. Taylor Lorenz, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for having me. Drew Harwell, welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much. So Taylor, let's start with you. Give me the headline news here. What did you find in your investigation? So we discovered that P Facebook had been running um, what essentially amounted to a massive nationwide smear campaign against TikTok that consisted of amplifying local news stories about dubious TikTok trends and seeding um, letters to the editor and op-eds in local regional news outlets that painted TikTok as a danger to children and raised concerns around privacy and its ties to China. And when you contacted Meta about this and you reached Meta's spokespeople, did they deny what you had found or did they say, yep, you got us. We are definitely in bed with a Republican marketing firm to drum up dubious stories about our competition. They did not deny it. They actually, and even I was kind of shocked by the statement that they gave us, which is something like, you know, TikTok deserves scrutiny. I mean, I think we'd all agree on that, but I don't know that I'd call this scrutiny. Um, you know, they're paying this Republican lobbying firm a ton to orchestrate this campaign. Um, but no, they they confirmed that 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 this you know this was happening, and kind of then then they sort of were like, but also this is just normal PR. So why you know, <laughs> I would argue that maybe this is normal PR in certain circles around politics. I think it speaks to you know where Facebook is today, where they're at this level, um, where they're they're feeling like they really need to smear their opponents to get a leg up. Drew, you guys got your hands on some really really incredible material on unreported emails between Facebook and Targeted Victory, and also on a Google Doc on which Targeted Victory kept a list of TikTok memes that they could use to bash the company. I wanna first talk about the emails between Facebook and Targeted Victory. What were the most outrageous, the most interesting, the most cringeworthy things that you found in those emails? It's hard to narrow it down because these emails, um, they just radiated with like boomer energy. They were <laughs> so cringy. I mean, yeah. And, and to Taylor's point, you know, there is a lot of um, history to this kind of like negative political, you know, mud throwing. But these were so specific in terms of like, you know, we the, the, the quote was, we need to get the message out that while Meta is the current punching bag, TikTok is the real 
threat, especially as a foreign owned app that is number one sharing data. So it's like, you know, it's so um, overt that they're saying like, you know, take Meta out of the spotlight. We don't want to be pummeled anymore. Let's throw somebody else in front of uh, in front of us. The 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 one that's really stuck out to us, I, I think, was one where they were saying, "Let's find you know the worst, most egregious TikTok trends in your market." Our dream would be to get stories with headlines like "From Dances to Danger: How TikTok Has Become the Most Harmful Social Media Space for Kids." And it's just like that just jumps off the email because "From Dances to Danger" is such a it's like such a ludicrous thing to look for. And it's also such a good representation of like, they were looking for the, the, the most salacious, just most totally out there thing that they could, they could pin on TikTok just to get themselves uh, a leg up in the market. I thought it was so interesting the way that you uncovered Facebook and this marketing firm, essentially astroturfing letters to the editor around the country. Like when I think of letters to the editor, I think of those as being among the more organic representations of ordinary people's concerns, right? Like they take time out of their busy day to craft paragraphs and send it to their local newspaper. And Facebook and Targeted Victory, I think, noted that. They noted my assumption that this looks really organic. And so they placed letters in the Denver Post and the Des Moines Register trying to, uh, raising concerns about fears uh, about TikTok, from dances to danger, as you summed it up. So let's talk about some of the dangers that Facebook wanted to elevate about TikTok. Um, targeted Victory tried to drum up negative TikTok coverage uh, in part by using a Google Doc that you guys uncovered with the title Bad TikTok Clips. And it included, among other things, a trend known as the Devious Licks Challenge on TikTok. Taylor, tell me a little bit about Devious Licks and uh, what people were trying to say about TikTok by referring to Devious Licks. Yeah. So there are a couple. There was Devious Licks and Slap a Teacher and some other ones. These are all pretty dubious trends to begin with and actually started on Facebook. Um, there's this Facebook police officer meme guy or something. He had posted um, you know, a screenshot of alleged TikTok trends that went so viral within parenting groups and concerned you know, police departments and stuff, school districts, that actually they shut down schools in certain districts because of these trends for, for you know, children were missing education for several days because they were scared of these alleged TikTok trends, um, which consisted of, like we said, slapping a teacher, trashing school property, bringing a gun to school. You know, these are not legitimate trends, but once they go viral enough, it's a little bit like the Tide Pod thing, right? Once something goes viral enough or an alleged challenge goes viral enough, people will do it ironically for views. And so that's kind of where the harm comes in as well. Like, you know, slap a teacher challenge, that's not real. Devious licks, we saw actually kind of people engaging in that stuff because it was so viral on Facebook. Just to be clear, so devious licks is is kids acting out in school and it's them like whatever, taking letters off of like school signs yeah. and taking it's like signs vandalizing. off of that. Right, exactly. So devious licks is is a essentially an epidemic of of uh, vandalism throughout the country, theoretically. And then slap a teacher, that's very obviously a supposed meme about slapping your teacher. And your point is these were trends that uh that targeted victory and Facebook were trying to say were spreading on TikTok. But in reality, they were totally overblown. They like these these things didn't weren't actually happening at nearly the scale that uh, that targeted victory and Facebook were representing. 
Exactly. I mean, some of them were completely non-existent. Some of the trends that they were purporting to support, right, like didn't exist. Devious Licks, it's unclear if maybe there was one video or a couple videos that started, but what really got it going was actually the Facebook outrage about Devious Licks, not the, you know, challenge itself. Right. And true, what I thought was so interesting and this was in your piece, but also definitely highlighted in the reaction to your piece, is this enormous irony that Facebook is accusing TikTok of spreading harmful memes that may very well have started on Facebook rather than TikTok. Uh, there was one report in Insider that that uh, came to the conclusion that slap a teacher, that TikTok challenge or faux TikTok challenge, um, was actually first documented uh, on Facebook. It started on Facebook. Um, there was another investigation by Anna Foley at the podcast network Gimlet that found that the rumors of this devious licks thing that Taylor and I have been talking about, um, that, that also seemed to have started on Facebook. So the trend here seems to be uh, part one, a fake teen mayhem trend starts on Facebook. And then part two, Facebook pays this PR firm to convince people that the trend actually started on TikTok. Like it's unbelievably twisted and weird. Yeah, and it just shows how silly it all is because it's like, you know, Pepsi dinging Coke for selling soda. It's like, mm-hmm. you both do the same thing. Like, um, and it just goes, you know, uh, targeted victory was not wrong to realize like, hey, we can prey on parents, older folks' fears about this newfangled thing that the kids love uh, by inspiring these moral panics, acting like this is, you know, causing the teens to go wild. And we can pray on that. But it just, it you know, when you see how a lot of this stuff arose, you realize, like, this is just a function of the internet. This is the stuff that people have been um, shouting at Facebook for, for years. And so for Facebook to turn around and use that as their own kind of ammunition, it really just, I, in, in my, in our minds, like it kind of was just such a symbol of how afraid Meta is of TikTok, how worried they are about losing that clout, losing that audience, that they'll go to this totally desperate, um, playbook of dinging, you know, social media, dinging a platform that young people use when really, Facebook would it would would kill to have what TikTok has right now. Would kill to have that kind of um, uh, leverage and and mind share and attention that that TikTok has gained over the years. Yeah, and it's important to say here, you know, TikTok isn't like Cub Scouts. TikTok has its own witch hunts. TikTok has its own bad memes and problems. In many ways, as you said, it suffers from the same maladies as Facebook. Um, But Meta has no choice here except to sort of try to lay waste to to the very territory it hopes to conquer, right? Like, look how bad social media is. Uh, We're also a social media company. The, the, The metaphor that I had thought of before Pepsi Coke is kind of like, it's like Coors doing ads about how drinking too much Bud Light can lead to unsafe driving, except the advertisements only use examples of Coors consumers drinking too much, right? Because all these things actually started on Facebook rather than on TikTok, which is just so unbelievably ironic. So we have to talk here about, all right, if this is so stupid, if it is so self-defeating, if it is so much self-sabotage, why is Facebook doing it? What is Facebook's motivation here? Taylor, why don't you take that? What's Facebook's motivation? Well, I mean, I think that they are, Mark Zuckerberg has shown that he's willing to do anything to really squash the competition. And I think that this is just also showing that they're willing to engage in these kind of dirty tricks, I guess, and slimy PR stuff. Um, I mean, the irony is that they've, 
you know, made TikTok, like with all this story coming out, they've kind of made TikTok seem like the victim when TikTok is actually on top and, and ascendant. And that's what Facebook is so threatened by is that relevance that it has among young users. I mean, Facebook just recently lost uh, users, I think, for the first time ever. So um, they're definitely kind of getting nervous. Yeah, it seems like if you put a lot of things together, Facebook is in a really, really tough spot. Uh, they are losing users. Uh, their profit is being dinged by, among other things, changes uh, to iPhone privacy. Uh, TikTok, as you mentioned, is eating their lunch in terms of new user acquisition. And they're pivoting to the strategy, the metaverse, that's like 10 years out. So they're trying to escape from this island that's sinking into the sea. But the landmass that they are trying to build the bridge to, that bridge is going to take 10 years to build. So they're like, what can we do in the, in the meantime? We can try to, it seems to me, get the government to come to our side and attack TikTok. Drew, do you see that as somewhat the strategy here is to enlist the government, which is in the in, in the present day against Facebook, right? With their sort of antitrust regulations, making it hard for Facebook to acquire new businesses. They're saying, let's take the government and use it to hurt our competitors, TikTok. Is that part of the motivation? Yeah, I think that's it. And, you know, part of it is too that a lot of people in Facebook feel like they get too much scrutiny. They they feel besieged. They feel like, you know, we have been in the hot seat for so long. And they have, you know, it's been since 2016, really, that there's been this huge conversation of we need better regulation. We need to have questions about disinformation or privacy or what have you. So they feel like, you know, we've been tarnished with this for so long. Now there's this up and comer that hasn't really dealt with any of this. Maybe we can use that against them. I, I think that's gotta be part of it. This episode is brought to you by Canva. Here's a writing tip for work. Don't just write, use Canva Docs. It has Magic Write, a built-in AI text generator powered by OpenAI to help you create almost anything, from meeting agendas to job descriptions, marketing plans, proposals, and more. Canva is here to help you get it done. If you've used AI for work, for writing, for coming up with bullet points for a podcast, a meeting, you know that AI works best when you're specific, when you tell AI exactly what you want and then tell it again and again, help me do this, help me talk like this kind of person. The more specific you can be, the more helpful you'll find it is. Generate your draft fast with Canva Docs at canva.com, designed for work. This episode is brought to you by Workday. Get the whole band together with Workday and pair finance and HR on one platform for an epic performance. With Workday AI at the core, you'll make confident decisions faster than ever. And you'll drive flawless business and finance operations with an agile platform that constantly evolves to future-proof your organization. Be a finance and HR rock star with Workday. Visit Workday.com to learn more. What does it mean to be rich? Maybe it's less about reaching a magic number and more about discovering the magic in life. At Edward Jones, our dedicated financial advisors are the people you can count on for financial strategies that help support a life you love. Because the key to being rich is knowing what counts. Learn more about our comprehensive approach to planning at edwardjones.com slash findyourrich. Edward Jones, member SIPC.
So I want to do a pivot here that might catch some listeners by surprise. I want to scrutinize TikTok because I don't think it's correct that Facebook is grimy and old and bad and TikTok is fun and new and totally perfect. I think that TikTok has problems. It has problems that are endemic to social media, like witch hunts, but it also has a very unique ownership structure and relationship with the Chinese government. So, true. tell me about TikTok's ownership structure and why, unlike slapping teachers, this might be a reasonable place to worry about TikTok. Yeah, so the basic part of it is that TikTok is owned by a company, ByteDance, that's based in Beijing. It's a Chinese company. We've never really had an internet juggernaut that has become big in the West before TikTok. Um, And that is problematic because we know a lot about how companies have to work inside China to remain a company inside China. You have to follow some really strict guidelines uh, run by the Chinese Communist Party. Um, You have to uh, give up some data that Western companies would never be asked to give up. And so there's a big tension there because you have this extremely um, interesting cultural product in TikTok. You you have so many um, creative people using it as this new platform and it, and it's a good platform, right? There's a there's a lot of people who love the algorithm. They love the content there, and yet there are some really legitimate questions over um, how are you know Americans' data going to be protected when it's going to a company whose developers are based in Beijing, who have to abide by certain you know rules set by China. Um, you know, we've always kind of taken for granted that a lot of the social media companies we have used were were made in the good old USA, right? There's been that kind of um, assumption of, of freedom of speech, even if it's not always the reality. But now we're kind of having to realize what it's like to have a real global product, a real product that comes from a place where the rules are very different to us. And now I have to say, you know, to step back and say, TikTok knows all of this. They they And they have said, you know, we're taking all of these steps to distinguish, you know, TikTok USA from from ByteDance. ByteDance actually runs a TikTok in China called Douyin that has, you know, supposedly a separate kind of infrastructure, separate data privacy rules. Um, and yet these are these are real questions. And these have been questions for several years. There's been questions of, you know, were they censoring the Hong Kong protests on, on TikTok? You know, how how are Chinese government rules around censorship and and suppression of topics that the Chinese government doesn't want to see? How are those playing into how they how the algorithm runs. Yeah, I just think we should be careful too, just to note like a lot of these are questions and we don't have the answers yet. Say more about that. Well, I think like, I mean, this is what's so insidious about this Facebook campaign is like, these are really legitimate questions that deserve more reporting. Um, Like Drew's noting, we've never had a Chinese tech conglomerate have such cultural stronghold, but there's no smoking gun. So it's really hard for lawmakers or people sort of interested in regulating this stuff to to kind of point to something like, hey, look, we've been able to see this. And TikTok has gotten out ahead of this by sort of, you know, offshoring their data their data centers, you know, and and sort of like setting up these structures that they claim protect U.S. data. But I think without that, without that proof, it's just hard and there's lots of speculation. And so it's very easy to kind of inflame that, that, you know, that space, I guess. Yeah, Taylor, let me ask you about this. I have heard two different categories of concern about TikTok, the privacy concern 
and the disinformation concern. The privacy concern says, oh, TikTok is owned by ByteDance, ByteDance, minority owner, Chinese Communist Party. What if American teen data is shared with the Chinese Communist Party? That would be bad. That's the privacy concern. Then there's a disinformation concern. What if, in a top-down kind of way, China wants certain kind of messages to be amplified, to go viral on TikTok? Couldn't they, theoretically, in the future, make that happen in such a way that American teenagers would be downstream of a propaganda effort instigated by our geopolitical foe, China? Which of these concerns strikes you as the most important, the privacy concern or the disinformation concern? I wrote a bunch about this around the TikTok ban, actually. And it's very much in these our tech companies' interest to say, oh, look at look at TikTok. They're the bad data privacy guys, right? Like they and yes, there are serious concerns there, but also we have huge data privacy issues with Facebook and other American tech platforms. So I think, you know, by painting TikTok as the bad guy, American um, you know, tech conglomerates are escaping widespread data privacy rules, which I think we would put us in a stronger position undeniably across the board. The misinformation, like you said, Derek, I think is really important and overlooked. Um, I think people think of it more of this top-down thing of, ooh, China's spreading you know, propaganda. That's not really how things play out. As we know with Facebook too, it's actually, it's, it's much more organic. Um, I would say users on TikTok have almost zero media literacy. I've never seen an app with such a... Um, it's terrifying. People will believe anything they see and it's presented to them visually in this way that is, is just so much more visceral. Like, and, you know, people follow influencers there. It's a content creator-driven platform. We know that people are more likely to trust influencers over you know, news organizations. So I think it's a it's a huge problem. Um, and we're already seeing, I mean, we're already seeing propaganda run rampant on it. It's just more individual influencers that are susceptible to these views instigating those campaigns. TikTok has sort of done certain things that they say to downrank it. I would say there's just no, it is like Lord of the Flies on that app. You know, Twitter, there's tons of media people and journalists and academics that can kind of squash rumors. Facebook, it's, Obviously, it's a huge problem, but also they've had such a spotlight on them that they're kind of... And there's a level of transparency as well because it is American. TikTok, there's... it's Everyone will believe every sing, single thing they see in every video. And there's no like academics. There's no way to kind of like squash things or fact check things very well in real time. So just... I mean, the Wayfair rumor is a perfect example. If you guys remember that, you know, there was this rumor that um, children were being sex trafficked on Wayfair and because they were selling these large cabinets with women's names. Um, that took off and I cannot tell you, I mean, there was videos with millions and millions and millions of views where you, even to this day on TikTok, you cannot convince people that that was not true. Interesting. So you're adding a third category of concern for TikTok. There's number one, the privacy concern. Number two, the hypothetical propaganda concern. And then number three, you could call it the old-fashioned social media concern. Social media is generally a place where media literacy goes to die, right? All these platforms are basically funhouse mirrors, and it's what makes them enjoyable, but it's also what makes them confounding when you rely on them for learning important truths about the world. Is that a misunderstanding of what you're saying? No, definitely. I mean, I think that's it. They do have controls. They do have like, you know, they prevent misinformation around certain things. If you're posting anti-vax information, it theoretically should be taken down. Of course, we know that these are never perfectly enforced. Um, but I, I just think there's something about the nature of the content that p makes people... And, and the fact that the For You page is the primary 
way that people are consuming content. You don't have to opt into anything. And when one of these conspiracies go viral, it's all over. I mean, it will just, it reaches a level of the masses that it would take weeks to reach on Facebook. Right. So Drew, taking into consideration both what you wrote and what Taylor says, what Taylor just said, because it seems like you guys are on a similar page here. Um, how would you clearly disentangle the wrong way to worry about TikTok and the right way to worry about TikTok here? We'll start with the wrong way, right? Because that's probably the easiest. The wrong way is to commingle a lot of these very different issues into one big uh, scare tactic. Uh, and that's kind of what you what you saw with Facebook, where they were mixing a lot of dubious, you know, slap a teacher stuff that had no founding with some, you know, reasonable concerns that we need more information on. So, you know, I think we need some nuance here. The thing about TikTok that people who don't use TikTok um, may not realize is so core to what is interesting about it and what the big paradigm shift is what Taylor was just talking about, the For You page, right? On other social media, it's all about who you're following. You you know the personalities that you're following. You, you get a sense of, I'm following the New York Times or the Washington Post, so I'm going to get news. I'm following, you know, this person, so I'm going to... Um, TikTok is stream of consciousness. It is the for you page. It's it's all based off this black box algorithm of stuff the platform thinks you're going to like based off what you've already shown you like by watching it. Um, so that can make it really, really interesting because it's a bunch of stuff that you never would have thought to identify as something you're interested in. It makes it so much more dynamic, so much, so much more creative. Um, but there's also a lot of reasons for concern of that, right? You you have this system that's choosing information for you to look at that you don't really know uh, why it's being chosen for you. And that goes to the big concern about, um, you know, the, the Chinese influence, right? And this would, this would be an issue with wherever it was coming from. One big picture conclusion that I have from this is that in an ironic way, the meta question that Facebook is asking is kind of a good one. Shouldn't TikTok, the most popular web domain in the world, have a certain amount of scrutiny when it is essentially an algorithmic black box that has certain relationships with the Chinese Communist Party? But Facebook is going about asking those questions in like the creepiest possible, most hypocritical possible way, essentially doing the Bud Light thing of accusing Coors of being a company that leads to drunk driving and using only examples of itself. Um, Taylor, am I, am I being unfair there and saying that the, the meta question that Facebook is asking is, is actually a reasonable one, but it's the tactics that, that, that are so bizarre and, um, and distasteful? Yes, exactly. And it's, it's, it's so hilarious because they're kind of undermining themselves by yes, engaging in these yes. tactics. And now they seem like, you know, now TikTok seems like the victim in all this. And it's like, no, guys, we need to, like you said, these are reasonable things to push TikTok on, but you've gone and created this entire nonsense distraction out of it. I want to put my cards on the table here and give you my TikTok take, which fair warning is not exactly a pro TikTok take. I think Americans would be concerned if any large US-based social media company had an intimate relationship with one political party. Like imagine if Snapchat were partially owned by the Republican National Committee. I think it would be like, that's weird. Uh, not sure about that one. I think that's pretty bad. Well, in the case of TikTok, 
and ByteDance, the minority owner is the Chinese government, a one-party authoritarian state. Like our geopolitical adversary has a relationship with a popular social media app whose equivalent we would feel icky about here in the US. And that I think should make us critical and skeptical. So Drew, how do we weigh this alongside Facebook's creepiness here? Facebook is poisoning the well by conflating all of this with slap a teacher crap. Like, you know, they, they are taking what should be something that, um, you know, TikTok is raising questions that are bipartisan. You know, there are ongoing federal reviews of TikTok and all of the questions you raise are like good ones. Like there are there technical things we should know about TikTok. And yet now Facebook has not just, um, undermined themselves and made themselves look like uh, the bully yet again. They've also, um, I think, taken a lot of air out of the balloon of these questions. Like they have made anybody who's going to ask about these uh, uh, question whether they're whether they're they're on the right side. So yeah, I think it's it's all just really yeah alarming. And this is why can you I don't s- do these kinds of smear campaigns. Jump in, Taylor. Yes. Can I say one other thing too? Is like I, I mean, just two things really quickly. One is that we should be asking questions of all of these companies, like data privacy issues, as we've seen with things like GDPR and stuff. Like we we need to question all of these companies, American and foreign. And I think we are like you said, this is the first time that a foreign company has really gained you know, foreign social media has gained relevance. I think we're learning what it's like to to not really hold the reins. You know, for years, Facebook has faced criticism, you know, in the global South for places like Myanmar, right? For not cracking down on certain things. For, And I think now we're suddenly seeing when this big tech company comes in, reshaping our culture, and we don't, we don't, ha- you know, we don't hold the reins. Yep. Slap a teacher, fake. The case for scrutinizing TikTok, real. That's the conclusion I'm taking away. Super real. Taylor, Drew, thank you so, so much. I appreciate it. Thanks for having us. Plain English with Derek Thompson is produced by Devin Manzi. If you like what you hear, please follow, rate, and review us. New episode drops on Tuesday. Have a great weekend. This episode is brought to you by 20th Century Studios' Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. As a ruthless king builds his empire at the expense of the remaining human race, a young ape will fight for the future of apes and humans alike. Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes, enter the kingdom in IMAX on May 10th and in theaters everywhere. Get tickets now.